0: The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 69. In today's episode, we are going to finish up part two of Unpacking the Secret... Part two, we've been talking about the how-tos and the practice. We're going to do a little bit of review of the last four episodes, and then we're going to do a little bit of troubleshooting. If we've learned anything in life, if we've been along, if you've been adult for very long, you then have realized that there's a skill to being a spiritual individual. There is skill to exercising the muscles of the spirit, and the law of attraction is absolutely a skill-based thing. As I have worked with this law for the last four to five years, I would like to think that I've learned a thing or two, and uh, some of those little signs or hiccups that I have learned along the way that uh, maybe I haven't shared yet, I'm gonna try to cover those in this episode and cover all the bases, if you will, that by the time we're done, you'll be able to work with this law seamlessly. All right. Part two is coming to an end. I don't know how long this episode is going to be. I'm going to do some review and, and it's one of those things that, you know, I can say it till I'm blue in the face and then you might get it because I said it again on this episode or you might listen to this series again six months from now and then you'll get it. You know, it's when it comes to spiritual truth, it's really not the delivery. You know, Jesus was the most wise, accurate, prophetic teacher in the world and one of his disciples definitely didn't get it Judas right so it's not necessarily when you and you if you've listened to some of my episodes on uh, judging a message by its fruit and stuff like that you know that the fruit is about what i say and what it produces in you right if this produces striving try harder do better you suck then listen to it again in a different light i am not saying try harder do better you suck i am saying you are a creator You are powerful, and there is laws in the universe that work so precisely that it is simply our privilege, not our job, our privilege, to be able to line ourselves up with how these laws work. And one of my favorites is the law of attraction, the law of vibration, and so line yourself up. And if you're not getting the results you want, then hopefully this episode will help. Hopefully the last few episodes have helped. So. This is not, you suck, try harder, do better. This is absolutely, you are powerful, you are capable, and right out of the gate, do you believe that? Do you believe that the law of attraction is for you, that it works, or do you believe it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo? If there is any doubt in your mind, let me ask you, how did anything come into being in the world that we see today? You could ask that from a macro level, such as the planet and the trees and the birds and everything, and how did God create those things if it was not first created in his mind, if he did not first desire those things, if he did not first want those things and create them in his imagination, and then how did anything this computer I'm recording on, this microphone I'm speaking into, the hat that's on my head, the table that I'm sitting at, all of these things originated in somebody's mind, right? And the law of attraction is nothing more than understanding that there is a creative process by which things come into being. Now, it's really easy for us to go, well, of course, I imagined a microphone and, you know, some guy imagined a microphone and he imagined making it and how it would work and everything like that. Yeah, it's, of course, it's duh, but have you ever stopped to think like, holy crap, that is how everything works? And if everything works on a physical plane in that way, and you are just like your creator, like your heavenly father, is it not possible that that's how everything works on a cosmic plane or a bigger galactic plane that it all begins in mind and it all begins in this. It's the beginning of a creative process. So with that said, I'll take you back to a little bit of review that step one is to believe that it's the preliminary step. There's two preliminary steps. One is you have to believe that this is even possible, that anything is possible. There's nothing that you cannot do. If you do not believe that a million dollars is for you or that money is hard to get and, and hard to keep, and it, there's a broader belief on whether or not you believe you're like your heavenly father, whether or not you believe that this law is a real thing. If you're listening to this going, oh, I don't know, it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. I'll try it out. I'll tell. It's not going to work. And if it does work, it's because of higher principles. The reality is if you don't engage with this on a level of belief, then you will get what you believe for it. That's how it works. So it is, it is the very, I don't know how there's a word for it. I can't think of it right now, where it's a catch 22, where you have to believe it to see it. And people will, most people will only believe it when they see it. Then you won't, right? I tell the story of my uh, brother who doesn't believe. You know, he's he's a cessationist. He doesn't believe that miracles still happen. And I asked him. I said, "So, what do you do with all the miracles that happen?" And he was like, "Well, I've never seen one." I'm like, "Yeah, that probably makes sense because you wouldn't. Even if you did see it, you wouldn't believe it." So, and then those who believe it see them all the time. So, I've seen many miracles. So, it's it is a catch twenty two chicken or the egg that the prerequisite for even messing with asking, believing, or receiving. If you're not even sure that you believe this works, do that work first. Don't even get to the point of asking. Don't even mess with trying to decide what you want. Just work on your faith. Listen to these teachings. Listen to read Thomas Troward, you know, Creative of the Individual. Read Genevieve Baron. Read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Read the Toltec uh, Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Read The Power of Decision by Raymond Charles Barker. There's so many books that talk about this law. There's a Little Red Book. I think there's the name of it called The Little Red Book. There's Think and Grow Rich by uh, Napoleon Hill. I mean, they're, again, the biology of belief. If you want to go on a science route, if you want to, you know, go to the placebo effect by uh, Joe Dispenza and biology beliefs is by uh, Bruce Lipton. I mean, again, so many books, so many teachers out there that can explain to you how this works. Work on your faith in the process if you want the process to work. Step two is decision, the power of decision. You are a co-creator. So we spend most of our time hoping for our life to change. We spend most of our time hoping for that dream car or hoping for that dream job or hoping for that much income, hoping for that health, whatever. Instead of hoping for anything, decide. Decide that your life is going to look like X, Y, and Z decide that you're gonna head in this direction and that this thing you're hoping for is you are going to create it. Now in that decision, this is the first kind of troubleshooting there is in this episode where you kind of there's an energy in deciding that a few people I've talked with kind of needed me to clarify. So when you decide and then you step into a creative position, there is a dance that you dance with God that you take ownership, that you take ownership of, I'm going to make this happen. I'm, I want this car. I'm going to do what I need to do it. And very likely that will include calling up a bank and seeing if you approve for a loan and you can decide, I want this car without a loan or whatever you want. You can decide whatever you want to decide. But the point is, is once you decide, it takes action. And a lot of people don't know how to be active and yet still trust spirit and yet still trust the universe, still trust the cosmic side of things. So it's, you know, well, Austin, if I'm in charge and I'm the one doing it, then I haven't really trusted the universe. But here's the deal. You're not separate from the universe, right? And any illusion of separation that, well, my efforts mean that I made it happen. So you think that you're not part of the universe's solution? Like it's only the law of attraction if it's magical and outside of your control? So the secret, the law of attraction, the secret is a skill. And when you go to the book, unpacking the secret, when you go to the movie, the secret is that all these people know about the law of attraction and they work with it. That's the secret. The secret and working with the law of attraction Law of attraction is a skill. Notice I did not say that the law of attraction itself is a skill. It's simply a law. Now, that means... You are always, always, never not working with the law of attraction. It is always at work. That's the truth. You don't need skill to sign up for Law of Attraction 101. You live it every day. What it is, is you need skill in how to direct it where you want it to go. Right? And so whether it is believing it, whether it's asking, whatever, that the skill of the law of attraction is about learning how to manipulate the fact that this thing is always working. Conversely, there is an equality, if you will. There's an energy of equality with working with the universe and also being the deciding factor, being the differentiating factor of... My favorite analogy from Thomas Troward is if imagine if that god is pure power which by the way he is it's he's god is life god is light god is a consuming fire he is thought itself right that god is pure energy and imagine like your house that you have the power lines running through your walls a lot of people don't know this but those power lines are always powered from the breaker box they never n- don't have energy in them the ones that don't have energy in them are once it hits a switch the fan in your ceiling or the light on your wall won't go on until you switch it and that power now gets directed in a particular direction of a fan or a light or whatever. So in the same way as the power in your wall, the law of attraction is always on, right? And it is empowering everything in your proverbial house. It's empowering everything in your beliefs. That your house, your life looks exactly like everything you believe. The law of attraction God is simply empowering everything that you have flipped on. If you have poverty flipped on, it's empowering poverty. If you have cancer flipped on, it's empowering cancer. If you have wealth flipped on, it's empowering wealth. If you have betrayal flipped on, it's empowering betrayal. If you have uh, bad sleep flipped on, it's empowering bad sleep. Whatever it is that you've got flipped on in your house— power is going to it. That's the law of attraction. It's a law. It never doesn't work. It's never off. God is always empowering your creative capacity. The challenge is the skill is figuring out what switches to flip and how to flip them, right? So checking the switches that you have and figuring out, okay, my job is to flip the switch. That's When I make a decision and I step into a creative role, it, there is an element of work or action or movement that I need to make to be part of the differentiating factor. If I wish that that switch was flipped and I never get up my ass off the couch and I go flip the switch, I can wish the switch, the switch was flipped all day long, but it won't ever turn the lamp on. I have to get up when I want to co-create something in my life, there is action to be taken. At the same time, I don't worry about once I've set that intention, I know that that lamp is going to turn on. I know that the power will do its part. So you can start a new company and you can design your logo and build your website and do your marketing. And like that. At some point, there is the, I have intended to do this. I am doing this. The law of attraction will lead me to the right customers and lead me to the right marketing firm and read me to the right banker who's going to give me the loans or whatever I need to do. I'm going to do my part and I'm going to trust the universe to do its part. We're going to co-labor. We're going to co-create together. There's a dance there. And a lot of people feel like, well, if I go to to the the banks and I go, there's an energy in which you can go to the bankers and find the one that gives you the best deal versus there's an energy where you can go to the banks and find the one that you're intuitively supposed to work with. It may not even be the best deal, but you don't know that six months from now you're going to have some hardship and this banker is going to have grace where the other one wouldn't have, right? You don't know what the future holds. You don't know the crazy ride you're about to go on, but there's an energy in which you do it. So whether it's playing volleyball with the guy on the beach and you find out that he's the one that's single and available, or you find out it's his brother or his best friend that you don't meet for six months from now. It's trusting that, there is an energy and a flow and you are doing your part and you're trusting that the universe is doing its part. That skill is knowing when to flip the switch and do your part and when to let the power go where it needs to go and let the universe do its part. So hopefully that analogy helps. Now, one of the one of the main, to kind of back up real quick, you have the two prerequisites, believe that this stuff works and then decide. Now... After you've decided, you then work on asking. Now, if you remember, I think it was last episode. I don't remember. I talked about kind of the energy of asking. One of the elements I talked about is when you keep asking and you do that whole and you apply the verse where it says, you know, the neighbor knocking on the door and keeps knocking until the homeowner gets up and comes and answers the door and gives them some bread like if you're praying about the same thing for, for the last 20 years you're not that's not the fulfillment of that verse it's actually the complete antithesis of that verse because every time you stop praying you're walking away in unbelief so you when you sit down to ask one, it doesn't have to be this big, hard thing. By the time I get ready to ask, I already know it's simply more of a ritual at that point because I've worked so hard on deciding, so hard on belief, on the on the preliminary elements of getting clarity and building my vision about it. I mean, that by the time I ask, it takes me five minutes. It takes me five minutes to ask. I understand and I believe so strongly in these principles. I'm doing a series on it. So the believing part is there for me. I do have the tools where I muscle test for what I really believe, and if I need to, I do some congruencies around that, but by the time I get to asking, I do sit down and I ask, and I get into this kind of ritualistic prayer-like state where I'm asking and believing that this is the moment at which I'm pushing go on the machine known as the law of attraction, that I'm inserting, I'm flipping that switch right now. And I will ask and I will stay in that prayer until I can feel gratitude. And I'm grateful for this process. I'm grateful that I finally have the thing that I've been working on asking for. And so when you get to asking, if you've done the first two parts right, and you, especially if you've understood belief, which is the next portion, then asking becomes a matter of fact, It becomes a matter of course. And you do need to ask because you activate that energy. And there's an energy of like, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. I'm not sure I have the faith for it. I'm not sure exactly what it is, how clear it is, whatever it is, whether it's clarity or faith or timing or whatever, there's, it's so many muscles. But by the time you get, if you do those things right, by the time you get to asking, It creates, it's not hard. You don't sit there and beg 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 and beg. You don't have to do a 10-hour prayer, I promise you. If you're having to do a 10-hour prayer, pause, give yourself some grace, and spend some more time on the preliminary work. By the time you get to asking, it should be 20, 30 minutes max. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I mean, there's different things, and there's lots some really hard things. People deal with health. People deal with lifelong issues, but I rather spend my time intuitively following spirit on to deal with my junk, to deal with my crap, about my beliefs or deal with my doubts or deal with whatever before I ever waste time asking, there is a principle inside of, and this is a you know another troubleshooting thing is when you go before God and you ask and then you don't believe and you don't receive and you walk away, having asked and not receiving, there's a little bit of an energetic veil that gets thicker, right? Uh, One of the kind of the urban legends, and there are historical references to it, but it's not known for a fact, but that each high priest, when they died, it was said that their uh, garments got sewed to the veil that was between the holy place and the holy of holies. And that every generation that died without the promise, without the the promised Messiah, that the veil between them and God got thicker and thicker and thicker. Whether or not that's true, I do think it's a very valid picture of prayer. That every time we go and we don't get the thing that was promised, we don't get the thing we asked for because we didn't believe, we didn't do our part properly, we then get a little bit thicker veil of unbelief, right? Well, it hasn't worked for the last 20 years. Why would it work today? So do yourself a favor and don't make your veil thicker. Don't ask until you are ready. Spend your time getting into alignment. Spend your time working on your belief. Spend your time working on your understanding of how it works. And then by the time you ask, you'll be so ready. To be honest, it'll be like a honeymoon night. It's like, you know, you're ready. (laughs) Like, Because you've done all the work, you have prepared and you have focused and you know it's time to say, okay, okay, universe. Okay, God, I'm asking that you do this. It's time. And there's a certainty, there's an energy, and you know the part that you're going to play because you've also decided, I want this. And we do this on micro levels all the time. We decide to buy new vehicles all the time. We decide to go on vacation. We decide to do something relationally or with our job or whatever. We make decisions all the time. And then we step into the creative process of the individual and we bring them about. And we don't call that the law of attraction because we don't think it's that magical. Well, I got news for you guys. It's not that mad. It's just a law. The problem is is that there are certain things that we think are out of reach. There are certain things that we think, oh, well, we just need a little bit extra magic for this one. And guess what? You can do that. So it is, quote unquote, more magical, but it's still not magical. It's still just how it works. The same way that you decided to buy the crappy car is the same mechanisms that you would put into place to buy your dream car. It's just a different process. It's just a different following of spirit. It's a different following of your own creative capacity. And it is setting a priority. I think a lot of reasons we don't drive our dream cars is because we know there's things that are more important, right? And so we think, well, I just don't have the money. No, it's just not a priority. If your dream car was as, as that important to you, then you would forego food. You'd starve your kids. You'd probably end up living in a tent, but by golly, you would have your dream car. That seems silly, right? So the reality is, is that not that you can't create the life you want. It's that there's a priority in which you create it. And so you've set those priorities and you are automatically know that there's a thing, there's such a thing as just wishing for something to happen. And it's not really a decision that you've made. I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying that anything that you don't do every day, all the freaking time. I'm just telling you how to do it for the harder things. I'm just telling you, I'm breaking apart the, the way your life works every day. And saying now, do you want this to work for the big things that you thought maybe you could never have? It's the same principles. So use them, to, Use them, but use them in a more enlightened and more intentional way. So one of my favorite, and I've used it a few times and I'm going to touch on it again, is once you have asked, there is right behind that, when you touch gratitude and you're grateful that you've hit the big red button on the machine known as the law of attraction and it's you know and it's charging up and it's gonna print out this thing that you've asked for. Right behind that is the energy of expectancy. The best analogy is pregnancy. I think about this all the time in my own life, that when I want my life to look a certain way, when I want something to show up in my life, I almost do a pregnancy test. <laughs> I've never put it that way but that's pretty much what it is do I feel expectant or do I feel hopeful and there's a difference hopeful's great but it's not expectant people who are trying to get pregnant are hopeful when they take the test right people who are expectant are they've already taken the test and they're buying paint for the room and you know clothes for the new baby when it gets here and they're they're getting their house ready and everything like that like there's a much different energy into expectancy so I essentially, I look at gratitude as that like, I'm hoping that I'm pregnant versus that I expect to have a baby. There is a shift and it's not a small one. It's a sizable shift between hope and expectancy. The more and more you feel it, the better you'll get at noticing the difference. But if you've never really like, okay, what's the difference? What's the energetic difference between hope and expectancy? The best way I can say, I'm going to try to think of an analogy here. Here's a good example just spend today. Think about like something you want to eat tonight for dinner. And let's say it's pizza and you want pizza tonight for dinner, but don't tell anybody in your house that that's what you want for dinner. Right? So let's say it's your, you know, your spouse is, I don't know, depends. Everyone's got a different, you know, you could be a kid at home or you could be living by yourself and maybe this doesn't, this example doesn't work. Um, if it doesn't, you know, ask somebody to join you for dinner. Like, so yeah, use this as an example. Like you want dinner and you want pizza or whatever it is you want, Chinese food or whatever. And you're going to make sure that you have dinner with somebody else, whether it's a friend, you're going to go out, whether it's you normally are the one who cooks and you tell your spouse, hey, I'm doing a spiritual exercise and I'm not going to cook tonight. I would like you to cook dinner. And then don't tell them what you want. You want pizza, but don't tell them. And notice the energy that you hope they choose pizza. You're going to feel the natural energy of like, I hope they choose what I want, whether it's pizza or Mexican food or whatever, that you're hoping they choose the thing that you're desiring, but don't tell them. And I'm not saying don't, they eventually tell them like, okay, I want pizza. Just feel yourself when you talk to that person about dinner Feel your own energy of like, okay, I'm not going to tell them what I want, but man, I really hope they pick the right thing. Cause I'm, I'm excited. And the higher your hope, maybe pizza is a bad example. Maybe dinner is a bad example. Maybe it's, I don't know, fill in the blank with something that you really, really hope for tonight and feel that energy of like, man, I really hope this happens. I hope it's dinner. I hope we go see a movie, whatever. Then. Do the same thing, like maybe tomorrow and or next week or whatever, but instead of not telling them, make the plan and say, I would really like to go out for pizza tonight, you know, my treat and you want to join me. And, and you'll feel the hope that they might say yes, right? But more than that, once you've hung up the phone and you know you're going to meet them for pizza, feel that energy. It's not hope. You're not hoping to have pizza tonight. You're expecting to have pizza tonight. There is an energetic difference between hope and expectation. Both of them have everything to do with what's going to happen in your future. But expectancy is a much more stable poignant, defined, I know what I'm expecting because it literally is pizza, not, well, I hope it's pizza, but it could be Mexican food, or it could be Chinese food, or it could be whatever. No, it is expecting one specific thing. So when you're hoping, it's wide open, non-specific, and is a vibration that the universe literally cannot work with because it's not creative. It's nebulous and undecided. But when you, when you, and you notice I said undecided, it's, it's again, once you make your decision, the ask is easy. And once you've asked, the belief is easy. So it just gets easier. It all starts with the power of decision. Read that book. If you haven't, um, it's an amazing book. It's, uh, Raymond Charles Barker. You check it out on the website. Uh, the power of decision is available in the store, but it all starts with decision. And when you know the difference between hope and expectation, get used to that muscle and you can feel, Oh, yeah, I'm just hoping for a new truck versus no, I'm expecting one. And you will find when you shift to expectation, it happens every time. That's the law of the universe. And by the way, it is okay if your expectations are months down the road. You know, you don't expect a baby right away, you expect it 9 months from now. So it can take time. It's fine. I can I expect to have this vehicle 9 months from now or or whatever i'm expecting to be to clean my slate financially this year so i'm expecting to go on vacation at the end of the year so there is a a time frame in my expectancy now expectancy is also cuz that's always working as well it's also a way to kind of reverse engineer what it is that you're believing for so if i asked you what you're expecting to find in the mail when you get home tonight if you're at work and you're driving, you're driving to or from work, whatever. The next time you look in the mail, are you expecting to find a check or a new contract? Are you expecting to find a bill? Right? That and will that bill reflect the life you currently have? And in some ways it's like, well, of course, Austin. But again, that's the point. Of course. So remember my last uh, tip and trick from the last episode about mirroring, thinking the thoughts of the people that you want to be like. You know, I am certain that there are bills that those people pay, but they don't expect the same types of bills. They don't expect the same amounts or percentages and everything like that they expect contracts and they expect checks and they expect good news as well. When was the last time you expected good news in the mail? So check your expectancy. Are you expecting to work hard and make a very little money for the rest of your life? Are you expecting to have a better idea about how to make more money? within the next few weeks. Because if you're expecting that better idea on how to make more money in the next few weeks, you'll be looking for it. You'll be looking for the conversation, the news article, the book, the recording, the idea on TV, the idea from your preacher or your friends or whatever. You'll be expecting that new thing regardless of where it comes from instead of expecting more of the same. So check your expectations, reverse engineer that, that yes, You in the law of creation and the law of attraction, you know, shifting from hope to expectation, but also realize that you're always expecting. In the same way that the law of attraction is always working, if you want to find out what you're creating right now, check your expectations. What are you expecting right now? Because that's your vibration. That is what you're creating. And it is what you're attracting. Okay. And I think this, I have this in my notes. I have a little asterisk next to this, like, I think there is inside of the human mind, the pessimism of the mind and the law, you know, survival mindset. There's this kind of like, well, if it's really big, it'll take a really long time. And that is not how the universe works. And I do like that the secret touches on this, that uh, in our minds, the idea of like, this is going to take a lot of work and this is going to take a little bit of work. That's bogus that uh, the universe can plop down whatever it needs to and right in front of you as it needs to, uh, there is no size does not matter to the universe, but if it does matter to you, then let me just say that humans can create a divinely intelligent self sentient being known as a baby in nine months. So in nine months, just operating with these laws, a child is born, right? These are all laws: the law of growth, the law of attraction, the law of ex, you know expectancy, vibration. All that. That's how babies are born too. This is nothing. I'm telling you, the secret in the law of attraction is more practical than you think. And for me to to uh, compare it to pregnancy and having a child, um, in that simplicity way, yeah, it's simply the law of attraction at work in a very tangible way. The way that law of attraction should always be at work is very tangible ways. So. If we can create through the law of attraction, the vibration, all those things, if we can create a child in nine months, because we simply believe that that's how it works and we don't doubt and we intend and all these things, then how much easier is it to create a better job? How much easier is it to create more income? How much easier is it to create better health? We can create a human with these laws in nine months. Why not take six weeks to get out of debt? Like there is no limits. It is literally limited by your belief, the intensity of your belief, and how quickly and easily you decide to follow spirit. So, you know, one of my biggest troubleshooting tips, and this really gets into that third step, that receiving step, but is you have to be brutally honest with yourself. In my opinion, self-deception is like the worst roadblock. It's really sad. I've seen so many people who just don't know how to be honest with themselves. And if you want to know how to be honest with yourself, like this is not meant to be blamey or like you're a loser. Let's not try harder, hard do better. It is simply the cold hard truth. You want to be honest with yourself. You want to know where you really stand. Look at your actual life. Do you enjoy it? Be brutally honest about the things that you actually find comfort in we all think we want to be billionaires. Most of us don't. Most of us have no vision for billions of dollars. There's a teaching by Tony Robbins that I freaking love where he asks people if they know their number, which we're going to get into that in the money section in a couple episodes, maybe it's in the next episode. But he, this kid stands up and says, oh, I know my number. It's, I need at least a billion dollars. And Tony's like, really? You need a billion dollars? Uh, tell me what you're going to do with this billion dollars. And the kid basically, over the next 45 minutes, he goes back and forth with Tony Robbins to figure out that he actually needs like maybe $13 million. $13 million And versus a billion is a massive difference. $13 million feels very approachable for somebody. A billion feels huge. Like You could see the point of specificity that most of us don't actually have visions for billions of dollars. right? So most of us don't actually want billions of dollars. Is it okay to be honest with yourself about that? Like we feel like it's this weird, like if we don't have these massive dreams and they're not bigger than our buddies, then we're not cooler than our buddies. But to say no, I actually know exactly what my number is. I need $3.2 million invested. And, and at 5% a year, I'll be able to live this life exactly how I want it. And I couldn't ask for anything more because it's exactly the life I want. I get to go golfing every week. I get to go on four vacations a year. I've paid for this, that, and the other, and you'd be surprised how low that number is, by the way. $3.4 million, not that bad of a number when you consider living off of the interest. So be brutally honest with yourself about what you really want. That takes homework. That takes time. Be brutally honest with yourself about what your life truly reflects as your desires. So you look at the crap in your life and go, wow, I've attracted that. To the best of my ability, I've only attracted things that I want actually, Austin says that the law of attraction is always at work. And so that there must be some sort of belief or desire or decision inside of me that says that this is something I want. How on earth would I be so stupid as to want that? And then you get brutally honest and you go, oh, I actually do find a bed of self-worth in being the poor one in my family, because I feel like maybe it's more spiritual. Oh, wow. That's a really crappy belief. Now I know why that's been happening or one of the reasons. Oh, wow. I really do like always being sick so that people always give me sympathy. I want sympathy. Therefore, I need to be sick in order to get sympathy. Huh? That's a really crappy belief. You know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Like be brutally honest. Look at your life and realize that in some way, everything in your life is something you want to be in your life let me say it again. In some way, everything in your life is something that you want to be in your life. Even the worst stuff. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. This kind of touches on that. Like, you know, it's your fault thing. Yeah, it's okay. You're also powerful. The good news is, is that if you want something different, you can decide to change it, flip the switch. But right now, everything in your life is something you want to be in your life. And I went through a personal inventory and I'm still kind of in the middle of it, of realizing, okay, so everything in my life is something I want to be in my life. And on the surface level, it's like, well, I clearly don't want X, Y, and Z, but it's here anyways. So that's an opportunity to dig deeper. Why is X, Y, and Z in my life? What is it that these things give me that I actually am wanting? Right? And remember I said in the episode on believing that it's actually not believing new things. It's more about removing your boundaries and limiting beliefs. It's about believe- stopping to believe old things and replacing them with newer things. So be brutally honest with yourself. Don't deceive yourself. It does you no good. Uh, I recently had a conversation with someone who was going through some medical testing and like different uh, scans and stuff like that. And they were super stoked to figure out what was wrong with their body. Because they knew that that would then help them fix it. They were telling their story to another friend who was like, oh my gosh, weren't you scared about the results? Weren't you scared about the scan? Oh, I would never want to be scanned. And it was like, why wouldn't you want to be brutally honest with your body? Like if you just pretend like it's not there, you're just going to kill you. Why wouldn't you want to be scanned? Why wouldn't you know, want to know the full truth, the whole story about what your body's doing? It's the same way. If you're afraid to look at your life and go, ah, oh, no, you know, I just, I just don't like these things, and I'm a victim, and I'm a, okay, fine. Or you can be brutally honest and go, wow, that really shitty relationship over there. There's some part of me that wants that relationship, that wants that toxic relationship, that wants that bad job. What value am I getting out of having that thing in my life? Because you are getting a value, I promise you. I promise you, promise you, promise you. You might be thinking, Austin, you're nuts. There is no way that that thing is something I want. Well, let's sit down and have a beer. Let's talk because I can guarantee you that there is something in there. And it may be deep, deep, deep in there. But there is something in there that's really important to you that you don't even realize you're getting from being in that scenario. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't move on. You wouldn't be in that scenario. You would decide something different. So being brutally honest with yourself, huge, huge, huge in the troubleshooting department. And then feng shui. This is one I did an episode on feng shui a few weeks ago. I'm not going to elaborate too terribly much on it just as another troubleshooting thing. If you're like, man, I just can't figure it out. I don't know what's going on. Well, study feng shui a little bit. Realize like a vehicle is often a representation of your career or your job or your ministry. And if your vehicle is brand new, but it has a crap ton of debt on it like mine, then that means that you probably have a sense of that you owe a lot for this ministry. And it's this beautiful, shiny new thing, but you're starting with a lot of debt. That's my own feng shui, a little bit of insight into Austin's world. Okay. But if your vehicle is used and beat up and trashed and inside, you've got crap everywhere and you don't take care of the brakes and you don't take care of the oil and it's got dents and dings and cracked windshield everything like that, then that's also evidence that you probably don't care about your job. You don't care about your ministry. You forgot it's still the thing that drives you around. It's still the thing that pays the bills, but you actually could give a crap, right? And maybe you're to this going, oh my gosh, you so right. <laughs> and maybe you have your dream vehicle. Chances are if you have your dream vehicle, it's well taken care of, it's well maintained, and you enjoy it and you're not constantly looking for another dream vehicle, then the chances are you probably also love your job and it's pretty dang close to your dream job. And it's interesting, I've known people who've had their dream vehicle, and for some reason they just start like, man, I really want a truck, I really want, and it's the same, in the same season, it's like, yeah, I like my job, but I don't know, I'm looking for a change of scenery, I'm looking for, and you realize that the same people who are looking for, they like their job, but they're looking for something new, or the same people who have their dream vehicle, but they're looking for something new. And uh, that's the feng shui of life. So then you get into things like your house. So your kitchen is usually where people, guests are. It's also where you prepare your sustenance. So the, the idea of like the things you're growing on, the things you're meditating on, the things you eat for food. This is where things like, whether it's political discussions or professional or spiritual discussions can often be represented by your kitchen. So if your kitchen is pristine, and clean, then you're probably well organized in those areas, if your kitchen is a mess, you're ashamed of people having there, then you're probably also afraid to tell people what you really believe about politics, you're probably also afraid to tell people what you really believe spiritually, so on and so forth. So your kitchen usually represents that stuff. Your closet typically represents the things that you're hiding even from yourself. So if your closet is a freaking mess, then you're probably hiding a lot of crap from yourself, right? just shove it in the closet and don't worry about it. A dirty closet or a cluttered closet equals a cluttered soul. That is one that's super telling. And then you often get uh, things like, let me say, the kitchen, the closet, oh, bathrooms. Bathrooms usually represent the crap you're dealing with in your life, right? The cleaning and self-grooming and taking care of yourself. And if your bathroom is moldy and nasty and everything like that, that means you've probably been dealing with the same crap for a while and you're not getting it out of your life. You're just whining about it and frustrated and whining about it and frustrated and you're not actually fixing it uh, versus a, you know, a clean, pristine, remodeled bathroom often represents, uh, you know, a remodeled self. And then then you get into the exterior of your household, right? So I spent six years working on the interior, remodeling the interior of my house, new kitchen, new bathrooms, all sorts of stuff. And the exterior was uh, not doing so well. And it just so happened that I was doing amazing spiritually interior. And professionally and financially, I was doing terrible exterior, right? What people see, the, the surface level things. And uh, just so happened that I started some new companies and really moved my focus over to remodeling my life professionally. At the same time, I put a new roof and new siding on my house, right? So that the feng shui matched to what was going on in my life in real ways. So look, if you can't figure out what's wrong with that, let your feng shui teach you. You're like, oh crap, Austin hit the nail on the head. My closet is filled with clutter. Hmm, wonder what that could mean, right? So it's whether it's your vehicle, your closet, your kitchen, your bathroom, your, the exterior of your house, the, your clothes, your hats, your haircut, your beard, or lack thereof, your weight. Like uh, in The Secret, they talk about the guy who had a bunch of pictures in his house. Uh, he wanted love in his life, but he couldn't find it. And every picture in his house was the picture of a woman who was mostly naked, but looking away from him with their shoulder, like overlooking over their shoulder, like, huh, I don't really care about you. And this lady talks about how like, dude, everywhere in your house, you have this picture of the same woman who's mostly naked. So she's being intimate with you, but she could give a crap about you. And you want love, you want romance, and you've got these kind of women in your life. And uh, he thought she was a clairvoyant or a psychic. And he's like, she's like, no, I'm just looking at your feng shui your house just shows me that this is the type of woman you have in your life. And so if you want to change it, change your feng shui. It's the same. That is one of the things that I would say like Jack, uh, Jack Canfield from the chicken soup from the soul guy, he changed his feng shui by putting a hundred thousand dollar bill on the ceiling. So again, there's different ways to do this. You need to know the own muscles and your own muscles of life. But, um, these are some of the insights that I've learned over the years. So, you know, the other two troubleshooting, I did mention a lot more about, uh, muscle testing. You know, muscle testing is a really great way to know what you're really believing. If you think you believe it, but you don't, you know, life has a way of rewriting our beliefs. So you might have worked on a belief a while ago and then life happened in other ways. And you don't realize that you started to believe something again that you didn't used to believe to. I actually had this happen to me very recently that, uh, I'm trying to remember what the belief was, I can't remember what the belief was, but I, I do remember that I had worked on it and I had done some work to it, but then life happened in other ways. And throughout that process I started to believe again something that I had previously dealt with. And that's where muscle testing helps, because you realize, oh wow, it's back. I I don't believe this statement. I d I don't believe or I do believe this statement, whatever it is. And then last but not least for the troubleshooting, is I cannot recommend coaching highly enough. I have coaches in my life. I have people that I turn to and when I have more money later this year, I have I will be turning to a full-time professional coach to help me kind of get to the next level. I do spiritual coaching um, through Belief IQ. I know other people who do different types of coaching in this community. Find people who, and sow reciprocity into them, pay them so that they can help you. And you will find that the more you pay them or the more you, you line that up, the more seriously you'll take that time and the more they help you because it's not because they're magical. It's because you're putting value there. So these are the troubleshooting tips. Hopefully, as always, I hope there's little things that you can go, oh my gosh, I've never heard of that. Austin, you're brilliant. Um, you know, consider all this for free. And by the way, I, I have decided I won't be taking this series off the podcast feed. I will be turning it into a class and there will be a way to kind of see it in more of an organized format but it will remain on the feed for free. I've had a few people tell me, dude, you know, this is the best marketing I've ever heard for Belief IQ. Just leave up the marketing and then, you know, have people hit you up for coaching. So I think that's good advice and I will be doing that. So don't fret that these things will disappear and you'll have to pay for them. Although I do appreciate all of you who sow into the reciprocity of donating. Um, I encourage you to consider it. It does activate another law of reciprocity. It's a universal law. There's an article on the newagechristianity.org website that talks about that as well. So anyway, I'm done. (laughs) I just get to the end sometimes and realize I'm done. So hope you guys uh, have a great week and thank you for your time as always. God bless you and we'll see you in the next episode.